the Lord began to deal with me just a few days back. And I preached the word here. And I brought it out. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And it's going to be the violence going to take it by force. If you don't know what the kingdom of heaven is, it's Christ living in here and taking His abode in here and manifesting Himself through us that we could minister and help people like He did. That's the kingdom of heaven. The devil's not going to sit back and just let you gain a relationship with the Lord. That you can do that, he's going to put up a fight. He's absolutely going to put up a fight. But the Lord said the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. But it's going to be the violent. It's going to take it by force. You don't know how to pray. You will learn to pray if you really want the kingdom revealed in you. You will learn to seek God. You go all the way back to Genesis. The devil knew that somewhere God was going to bring forth a seed that was going to turn man back to God. So he started in Genesis and had Cain kill Abel. That started the violence against the kingdom way back there. Because that seed had to come that was going to birth and bring forth Jesus. But when you get into the New Testament, when Herod rose up to kill Jesus, Jesus being a young child then, about the age of two, or under, see, y'all think them wise men showed up with them shepherds, but they didn't. They didn't show up about two years later. That didn't cost you nothing. But when Herod rose up to slay Jesus, the Lord already spoke for Joseph to take him into Egypt. But in the same time period, John the Baptist had been born. And if his mother and daddy hadn't done what God said and took him into the wilderness and hid him there, John the Baptist would have got killed. So the devil's been fighting the coming forth of the kingdom and the revealing of the kingdom for thousands of years. And he's not going to quit now. He's absolutely not going to quit now. And God has brought us together here to press Him to restore the order and the government back to the church. And I will tell you this. It does make a difference what you believe. It does make a difference who you fellowship. It does make a difference where you worship. Over 20-something years ago, I walked away from preachers that were fornicators and adulterers. I walked away from them. The Lord gave me a dream about them, told me there was sin in the camp from the bottom to the top. I walked away from them. He said, walk away from them, never look back. And I did, and I got persecuted for it, still persecuted for it, and I'm still going to stand for righteousness.
You want to go fellowship preachers that are adulterers and fornicators and whoremongers? You go right ahead. We don't need you here. We don't need you bringing that spirit in the house of God. You want help? You want God to help you? Clean your life up and let's get things back in order according to God's Word and God's will. Because I'm going to tell you, what God told us about the restoring, and I've been preaching on the restoring uh, that was spoken of in the book of Joel, but can we get things back in God's order and we get our lives in God's order, God can't pour out His Spirit like He wants to. He can't do it. It's just like I was exhorting this morning. Everybody will take water baptism in Jesus' name and beat people to death with it and say they're preaching the apostles' doctrine. No, you ain't. No, you're not. The apostles' doctrine is understanding the mysteries of the kingdom of God that Paul and Peter wrote about because the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 20, we are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. So when you come to the knowledge of the kingdom and what it is, and God begins to reveal to you how to live, uh, how to let Christ be manifest in you, uh, and you've got teachers and instructors teaching you uh, to live holy and clean and walk upright with God, uh, and let Christ be made manifest in your mortal flesh, uh, then you're preaching and listening to uh, and abiding by the apostles' doctrine. And I said that out loud. And it's on video. I don't truck with all this religious junk. I don't truck with the fact that people have been taught for years that the Holy Ghost was speaking in tongues is the evidence. One scripture in the Bible tells you the Holy Ghost coming in with the speaking in tongues is evidence. It's not in there. It's not in there. The evidence of Christ being revealed in you is the fruit of the Spirit. Well, Brother Matter, you just lost my support. Bye. I'm going to preach the truth. Because people have been run out of churches being told they didn't have the Holy Ghost because they didn't speak in tongues. I've had people, I've been, I've been ministering 47 years this year. I've had people tell me, well, I already got the Holy Ghost. You ain't got what Captain at Pentecost. Because we don't have the church, the book of Acts had. If the Holy Ghost had been poured out like was poured out in the book of Acts, we'd have a book of Acts church. You don't have a book of Acts church, and you don't have book of Acts ministries. You don't have apostles and prophets that line up with what happened in this, those men's lives in the book of Acts. You don't have them. That's why we've got to get back to the foundation of the apostle and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. We've got to have that government. whole church world's in confusion right now. People just going to church, shouting, talking in tongues, bawling, squalling, having a good time. Walking out the door and hollering, Boy, we had church! 
And then the next thing you hear out of them, they're bound by depression, sickness, disease, or war and tormenting spirits. And ain't one thing changed in them, Brother Andy. Not one thing. God wants to impart deliverance to His people. We gotta, we gotta bring order back to our lives. We gotta bring order back to the house of God. You gotta bring order to what you fellowship. You gotta bring order to what you believe. You gotta bring order as how you walk with God. It ain't up to God to bring that order. It's up to you to bring that order. It's like I was telling y'all last night. You don't think you're gonna go through trials? You don't think you're going to face demon forces and powers of hell? That's why you need a prayer life. That's why you need a relationship with God. That's why when the enemy comes in like a flood, if you've got a relationship with God, the Holy Ghost will lift up a standard. But He ain't going to lift up a standard when you don't know who He is and you ain't in relationship with Him. He can't. He can't. When I grew up, and I grew up in church, People were praying people. They were praying people. Used to have what we call intercessors. Anybody remember intercessors? People used to go to church before service and they'd get in the altars. And they'd ride the altars. And they'd mourn. They'd pray. They'd cry. They'd seek God. They used to call these things right here mourner's benches. Y'all know why they call them mourner's benches? Anybody know why? Crying out for lost souls. These used to be called mourner's benches. You got churches today don't even have altars. Because ain't nobody got a burden for lost souls anymore. You can't keep looking around, children, and saying, yet four months and then cometh the harvest. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ripe. People are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They're being destroyed by drugs. They're being destroyed by alcohol. They're being destroyed by doctrines of men that has no deliverance in them. They're being taught they're all right when they're on the way to hell. Up there where I'm ministering at, and we, the Lord sent us up there, you talk about folks bound with drugs. I mean, it's pathetic. I ain't talking about teenagers. I'm talking about people from their teens all the way into their 30s, going into their 40s. They're bound with drugs. They're on meth. They're bound. But yet you talk to them about the Lord. I talked to one young man here a while back, and, and he said, he said, I'm good. I said, what do you mean you're good? Well, I got saved when I was 12 years old, and I talked to the Lord every day. I'm all right. Headed straight to hell because he'd been taught an ungodly doctrine. Been taught that once he went down and made that confession, that the Lord wasn't going to let the devil take him out of his hand and doing that living, uh, lying, cheating, stealing, fornicating, committing adultery, 
staying high on drugs, don't even know where he's at, but yet he's all right. He's on his way to heaven. That's the kind of doctrine that's going to take people to hell, and the only thing that's going to counteract it is the preaching of the kingdom. People get their house in order. People get their uh, relationship with God in order where God can manifest uh, his power of deliverance through you to set this generation free. That's why we've come together to seek God. To bring us into the unity of the Spirit. There's got to be a unity of the Spirit. People got to pull together. and We got to seek God to give us back men like Paul and Peter and James and John. Men that's got a word. Men that's got an anointed. Men that can establish churches and set things in order and something will be preached. To ground and establish and settle people. Were them just going on their merry way thinking just because they had a salvation experience or they confessed that they knew the Lord that they're going to be all right and they're going to go to heaven no matter how they live. We got a messed up world. We got a messed up generation. And I'm going to tell you something. Lord ain't depending on all them people out there. He's depending on us. He's depending on us to declare this gospel of the kingdom. He's depending on us to fight for this faith. He's depending on us to be endued with power from on high. He's depending on us to to seek Him until this ministry of the Son of Man comes back into the earth and steps into the earth and the church is set back in God's divine order. You can't do it in yourself. It takes the Spirit of God. It's not by power. And it's not by might. But it's by my Spirit, saith God. Go ahead and take your young people and play basketball with them. Have hay rides and weenie roasts. Entertain them. I'm talking about your churches. Go ahead. Don't teach them to pray. Don't teach them to seek God. Don't teach them how to get into a relationship with God. And you'll send them to hell first class. You'll send them to hell first class. And see, there ain't very many people got the backbone to stand up and tell you these kind of things. Because all they want to do is make you feel good about yourself where you'll support them with your finances. They ain't one of these preachers on TV I got a lick of confidence in. If you do, good for you. I don't have any confidence in them because they don't preach nothing. They don't preach nothing. All they do is make you feel good about yourself. And that's all they want to do. They don't want to take a stand for doctrine. They don't want to take a stand for clean living. They'll preach a middle-of-the-road gospel. And that's what we don't need. We need God to set things back in order. And if you ain't going to fight for this faith, shame on you. Shame on you. Was coming down the road a while ago, and, and I said, you know, there's people that have attended this church that have had miracles, deliverance, moves of God in their family through this Word God put in me, and now they won't even darken the doors. I said, they ought to be ashamed of themselves. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Go everywhere else to church. But don't want nothing to do. Because this Word is straight, it's clean, and it's holy. It's just what Brother Michael said. People don't want government. They don't want leadership. 
They don't want leadership. They don't want to learn to be led by the Spirit of God. From when you first come in this church and God started moving for you and touching your life, put a brand new liver in you, got your head on most of the way straight, taught you the true Spirit of God, but you still got to learn to be led by that Spirit. Hardest thing for people to learn to do is be led by the Spirit of God. Is learn to be moved by the Spirit of God and not move out of order, not do things out of order. It's hard to do. If this was easy, anybody could do it. That's why we've got to have leadership. That's why you've got to have men and women of God to hold these holy offices. That can minister to you and instruct you and tell you, look, I've been there. Don't tell me about demon spirits. I faced them. I've been there. Brother Metter, do you know all there is to know about God? No. But God wouldn't have put me in the position He put me in if I didn't know something. Amen. We don't need to try to serve God by tradition. I was telling somebody the other day that's talking to me about tradition. I said I heard a story years and years ago about tradition. Said a man come in one night and his wife was still working. She had the ham laid out, had all the instructions on how to cook it, how to prep it, put it in the oven. And the last thing that was on the list was before you put it in the oven, cut uh, the third of the off the end of it. He called his wife. He said, that don't make no sense. Why do you want me to cut the third of the ham off the end? He said, because that's the way my mama taught me how to cook it. He said, call my mama and ask her. So he called his mother-in-law and asked her. She says, I don't know. That's the way my mama taught me how to cook it. He said, call my mama. His so he called his mother-in-law's mother and was talking to her. She started laughing. said, don't tell me that's how your mama taught you how to cook. said, well, it is, but when I learned to cook, we learned to cook on wood cook stoves. And said the oven was too small to get the whole ham in. So we had to cut about a third of it off the end to get the ham in the oven. And it just got to be tradition. People trying to serve God in tradition. You don't need to serve God in tradition. He said, the Lord seeketh such that will serve Him in spirit and in truth. God's looking for somebody that's hungry. God's looking for somebody that's thirsty. God's looking for somebody that's fed up with religion. I don't know about you, but I'm fed up with religion. I'm fed up with religion. I'm fed up with going to churches and see people start services and sing and shout and jump and jerk and talk in tongues and and then maybe somebody will stand up and prophesy. You know who's going to prophesy before you go? You know what testimony they're going to give before you go? You can almost set your crock pot at your house is what time you're going to get home 
by what's going to happen in service. That's tradition. That's tradition. We don't need to serve God in tradition. We need to be pressing the Lord for an outpouring of His Spirit. Because we got a generation. We owe them a revival. We owe them a move of God. Y'all was raised in a move of God. Y'all went to church in a move of God. She didn't. We owe her a revival. We owe her a move of God. We owe her a visitation of the Holy Ghost. Remember, I just don't agree with you. I got what they got on Pentecost. Then, I'm sorry, I'll be straightforward. Put up or shut up. If you got it, use it. You got it, manifest it. You got it, bring it forth. The Lord started dealing with me about travailing prayer here two or three weeks ago. And I started teaching on corporate prayer, trying to get people to come together in prayer. And I absolutely had a religious spirit come against me that does not believe in corporate prayer. Well, how do y'all think the, the day of Pentecost happened? It was corporate prayer. 120 come together, and I don't know how long they was in that upper room. You don't either. I've heard it preached all my life. Well, they were 10 days. There ain't nothing in Scripture said they were 10 days in that upper room. They just come together in prayer and seeking God. 120 people. The Bible says in prayer and supplication, blessing and praising God. They were in there around the clock. Blessing, praising God, offering up prayers and supplication because the Lord had told them. He said, tarry uh, until you be endued with, with power from on high. He said, but I'm fixing to send you the promise of the Father. I'm fixing to send you the Holy Ghost. I'm fixing to send you uh, what John preached to you. Are y'all hearing me? We need the promise of the Father. Uh, we don't need to tarry uh, until we come up just jerking and shouting and speaking in tongues. Uh, we need to come up with a Christ being revealed. Uh, we need to come up with Christ formed in us. Uh, we need to come up with the same mind uh, that was in Christ Jesus. Let it also uh, be in us. Are y'all hearing me? Uh, is anybody hearing me? Uh, but all the ch- the reason the church uh, has done what it's done, uh, you got spiritual wickedness in high places uh, and instead of the church being taught to seek uh, for the nature of Christ and the fruit of the Spirit, uh, they've been taught to seek for tongues. It's got the whole church off track. When I preach like this, and I, ain't, I ain't shy about it. I have people unfriend me on Facebook. You ain't you ain't preaching, you ain't preaching right. I believe in speaking tongues. I do too, and I probably speak in tongues more than y'all. When you wake up at one thirty-two and two thirty and three o'clock in the morning, sit up in the middle of the bed talking in tongues. Ask my wife. I probably speak in tongues more than y'all. Does that make me any better than you? No. I believe in tongues. But I believe in the decency and order of them too. Let me tell you something. Don't let anybody tell you that they got the same tongues that they got on the day of Pentecost. Because they do, you're going to be speaking in natural languages. Did y'all not realize that? 
It was natural languages that were spoken on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't spiritual heavenly tongues. It was natural languages. When I was a teenager going to church, buddy, I had a little church cross girl dust my britches for me. I got talking to one of my friends about the Holy Ghost. She was dating him. She was Church of Christ. And I got talking to him about the Holy Ghost and talking in tongues, and she informed me, brother, right to my face, them tongues that was spoken on the day of Pentecost wasn't spiritual tongues. Them was natural tongues and dialects from every nation under heaven. I looked at her. I said, woman, you're a liar. She said, you better go check your history and your Bible. I had to come back and apologize to her, brother Michael. Because, see, I'd never been taught. I'd never been taught except nothing about speaking in tongues was evidence of the Holy Ghost. What about the nature of Christ? What about the mind of Christ? What about the fruit of the Spirit? I've had people come to me and tell me, said, Brother Metter, I'm fixing to quit the church where I'm going. Why? Because every time we get together, said all they do is run, shout, jump, talk in tongues, and I don't do it. They're telling me I ain't got the Holy Ghost, and they're trying to drive me out of the church. Didn't matter that their life had changed. Didn't matter they was beginning to bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. Didn't matter that they was beginning to put on that nature and mind of Christ. That didn't matter, but because they didn't speak in tongues, they was fixed to be driven out of the church. We are so messed up. That's the reason I won't let that kind of junk and doctrine get in here. I'm not going to do it. And if you follow ministers that are fornicators and adulterers, I ain't working with them. I ain't working with them. I walked away from them in 94. I'm still away from them. And if they're going to fellowship that kind of a spirit, I ain't working with them. I told Brother Michael, I said, don't you let them in this pulpit in here. Don't you let people come in here that works with fornicators and adultery. Because I'm going to tell you something. There's people started out right. They started out good. They started out prayer and dedication. And let me tell you, and I had high regard for a minister that taught me to fast and pray and seek God. And I, I honored him. And he had an impact on my life and took me to places I, where I sought the Lord. But when I found, when the Lord showed me he was an adulterer and a fornicator, I showed me he had conceived kids out of wedlock I, and his life was unclean, I walked away from it and I will walk across the street to hear him I, or anybody that works with him preach. They ain't doing it. Because I don't want that spirit on me. I don't want to have to battle that spirit in my mind. You go ahead and do it. You see how confused and tormented and vexed and, and upset you stay and why you can't get a clear mind on how to serve God. Those kind of spirits will keep you in confusion. Anyway, when you uh, follow a doctrine other than the doctrine of Christ and the kingdom of God, it's going to keep you in confusion. It's going to keep you vexed. It's going to keep your spirit tormented. So don't bring it in this church. You're welcome to come worship here. But if you're going to worship here, you're going to fall in line with what's being taught here. You don't believe in what's being taught here? All I can say, I'm not being rude. I'm not being hard. Don't come. Don't come in here to fight what's being taught. You'll get yourself in trouble somewhere with the Holy Ghost. My God had it. I get it in this frame of mind. My wife had a visitation from the Lord. Was it March last year? 2018, we were in the living room praying. And that's something else. People need a family altar. You need a family altar. Well, Jason, y'all need a family altar. 
You and your wife need to learn to pray side by side. You need to learn to pray with your kids and teach them to pray. This is a good young man right here. He loves God. But you've got to teach him how to develop a prayer life if you don't have one. Because if you don't have a prayer life and you start getting into spiritual warfare, you ain't going to stand. You will not stand. You can't stand against forces and powers of hell. You can't stand. In the days we're living in now, if you ain't got the Spirit of God in your home, ask yourself what spirit you got in your home. When you leave your home to come to the house of God, ask yourself, what spirit am I taking into the house of God? You come into the house of God, God moves, the Lord touches you, heals you, moves in you, uplifts you, strengthens you, and you leave, and you're going back to a home that's full of confusion, bickering, fussing, and fighting, and hell raising, you're going to lose everything God just done for you. Got to get back. We need God back in school. No, we need God back in the home first. Get him back in the home first, then he'll get in the school. Because you get him in the home, you'll get him in the church. You get him in the church, it'll be Spirit of God change the nation. I don't care if they start tomorrow letting kids pray in school, it ain't going to change nothing. It's got to be in right order. The home is the backbone of the church. Y'all realize that? The home is the backbone. When the home ain't in order, the church ain't in order. That's why we got to get everything back in order. God doesn't move out of order. God said, let everything be done in decency and in order. So I don't care what you're claiming in the Holy Ghost. I don't care what, you, what kind of anointing you're claiming, what kind of calling you got. If you ain't God's divine order, you're missing it somewhere. You're missing it somewhere. If you ain't sitting under leadership and you ain't in God's divine order, don't come telling me what God spoke to you. Don't come telling me how God used you. I'll look at you eyeball straight and tell you I ain't interested because you're out of order. God don't move out of decency and out of order. You might be moving by spirit of witchcraft. You might be moving by soothsaying spirit. Because when my wife had that visitation, we were praying side by side. The Spirit of the Lord fell on her and took her into a vision. And she saw a, one of these old sailing ships in a storm. And I mean, it was in a storm. Come here, Lisa, and tell them about it. I'll just let her tell you. We were praying, and the Spirit of God just uh, instantly uh, spoke out of me. I heard the voice of the Lord say, he yelled, brace yourself. And when he did, I saw an old-fashioned ship, wooden ship, um, in gigantic waves, um, and that, you know, that was being overcome in the waves. And, uh, actually, I probably won't remember every word. It has been, I've had it, you know, I don't remember it exactly at the moment, but I remember the brace yourself. And he says, we're coming about. Coming about means you're turning around. And I saw a man grab, he put one leg out, and now I saw him grab the side of the ship. He was bracing himself, because that's what the Lord said to do. And uh, the storm was raging. And then Jesus Christ stepped to the helm. 
And he took that wheel, he spun it hard right, and he said, I'm driving this thing. And he had such peace on his face, peace and calm. He was looking straight ahead. And those waves, and he I, he wasn't one bit scared. He turned that thing. He went straight into the wave. He wasn't one bit scared. Went straight up and straight down. Straight up and straight down. He was driving that thing. He said, abide in the ship. I saw boxes of crates um, uh, that were provisioned. They were tied down in that ship. He said, all the provision you need is right here in this ship. He said, abide in the ship. And he said, it's a course correction for the church. I said, oh, my God. But one of the most beautiful things, I know what part you want me to get to, I will tell that. Um, one of the most beautiful things, so I never want to skip over it, was seeing the Lord in the face of that storm, complete peace. He said, I'm driving this thing. And he turned it and went straight into the storm. Oh, my God, it was wonderful. Oh, my God, it was wonderful. And as he began to show me later, what he's, he had let man, he's let man do their thing in the church world. Give it their best shot. And now, I'm driving this thing. I'm going to have my way, and I'm going to have my church, and it's going to be my way. And my church, and my order, all of these things. Oh, it was, it was just really something. And at the end, after, toward the end of that, um, I saw in the... Uh, the wake, if you will, behind the ship, the turmoil that can be in the water churned up behind a ship. I saw saints of God who did, and ministers who did not take that course correction in confusion. What is that churned up water? Confusion. But this was the one that got me. I saw a seasoned minister that I could name the name today and everyone here would know. I saw... A seasoned minister need a word from God. That minister's child came and needed God, but he couldn't find God. He put on a dark hood and went out to a soothsayer. So I'm lay a $20 bill down to get a word from God. Now you go back to the Old Testament. That witch at Endor, she pulled Samuel up, y'all. She pulled him up, and Samuel spoke, leave me alone. So don't, see, we, got, we think we know so much. We think, ooh, no, the devil is just right there. Just that truth, that little bit of leaven. I saw him go plunk down that $20 bill to get that word from God, and he saw how easy it was. See, the devil let enough truth come out without error. Truth the first time. But then he went back, and that's where he started getting it, and then he got off. How about that? I'm talking about a man that has had deliverance in his life, has preached the gospel. I was shocked when I told, I said, oh, my God. Isn't that something? So, these spirits of witchcraft are very real. They're very real. And I will, I'm going to step us further through spiritual wickedness in high places. 
this is a real force that's been turned loose of late. That is my experience. The Lord, I w- you know, sometimes it takes me a minute to get through, you know, and understand. But I'm starting. I got it tonight, buddy. I got it. Somebody had told me that there was spirits and a religious spirit that had uh, specifically attached, was trying, almost like stalking me, you know, kept trying to gain entrance and attach itself to me. And when it does, I've, I've warded in the past and I get a physical effect of it. I get sick my head and I feel like I'm going to throw up and I, I didn't pick up on it. Then I got it. I said, oh my God, what that person told me was exactly right. Buddy, I, I started warring that thing. I said, oh, you devil out of hell. You're not doing it. You're not doing it. So you better be on guard. You see, enemy has come as a thief and he wants to attach himself he wants to destroy you, but it's not happening. I got it. Like I said, it took me a couple of times to experience this of late. I've experienced it in the past. And I thought it was over, but nope. I said, oh, no, 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 I got it now. You know, one of those doors. We closed one last night. Remember us talking about that? I knew, well, new level, new devil. That's all right. I'm going to shut this one. We're going to the next one. God's doing that quick work. Just be on guard. But anyway, that's what, that was March a year ago. Course correction for the church. He was taking us to a brand new level because he's driving this thing, but also what was going to happen to those who did not follow on. That really disturbed me. We talked about that for the longest time. It just disturbed me. Someone we had fellowshiped to be off in error like that. And you mark my words. There's ministers in the Pentecostal church right now that are ministering to some of you by the Spirit of Susan and witchcraft, and y'all think it's the gifts of the Spirit, and God's people don't know how to discern the difference, you better know them that labor among you. Somebody going to minister to you, prophesy, whatever you call it, you better know their life is proven. I've had people come to me and say, well, so-and-so ministered to me and told me this. I said, are they proven? Is it a proven vessel? Is their life in line? Are they proven? Y'all hear what I'm saying? Because if you want somebody to minister, or you need somebody to minister the Word of God to you, they, they need to have gone through trials. They need to have gone through hardships and heartaches. And they need to be a vessel that God has put His approval on. The Bible tells us in Acts 2.22 that Jesus of Nazareth was a man approved of God. God put His approval on Him. Y'all hear me? God put His approval on him. Just because somebody comes to you and slaps their hands on you and says, Thus says the Lord, don't mean it's the mind and the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, the devil has infiltrated the church with witchcraft and soothsaying, and you got to know the working of the Spirit of God. You don't, it'll get you. It will get you. It will deceive you, and it will mess you up. And you will think all the time, God's talking to you. We are in serious times. And when the Spirit of the Lord spoke to her and told her about a course correction, it's time for the church to take a course correction. It's time to get out of the junk. You need to get that prophecy that was spoken here yesterday morning when the Spirit of God said, you better come out of the old. You better come out of the old. It's, it's posted on uh, sermon.net under World Revivals. It's posted on our webpage. But you better, you better get it and listen to it because the Lord said, 
If you don't come out of the old, he said, I'm going to cut you off and I'm going to leave you in darkness. There's people fixing to go into darkness. And they're going to keep shouting. They're going to keep talking in tongues. Preachers going to keep preaching. They're going to keep working by what they call the gifts of the Spirit. But there's going to be no life or deliverance in it. Because they don't have a relationship with God. Daniel said, I see a people that do know their God. Amen. And they're strong. And they'll do exploits. The Lord told us the first morning, told us at LJ, that the Lord had brought us into a season to be still. He said, be still and know that I'm God. Psalms 46.10. Be still. People don't want to be still. And if you're going to a church that's not preaching the kingdom of God, not teaching you a dedication, not teaching you a relationship with God, not teaching you that Christ can be formed in you and all you get is emotionally good messages, you better hunt you a new church. Because you're fixing shipwreck when it comes to the true things of God. Now I want you to open your Bibles to Joel the first chapter, and I'm going to exhort a little bit. Because we need to know what the Spirit of God is doing. God didn't bring you in here just pour out His Spirit so you could feel goosebumps make you feel good. He's brought us together to restore His government, His leadership, and His power back to the church. That's what He's brought us together for. Because we can't minister if we don't have something to minister with. We can't help people if what we minister with is not the working of the Spirit of God. You've got to have something in God to help people. Because you can't do it in yourself. I could start right now and call a prayer line with the gift of God in me, and I could minister something to every one of you. But that don't mean it'd be God. But I'm not going to do it. I remember I was preaching up in Canada. This is probably back in the 90's. And I always called a prayer line at the end of service to pray for the sick. And I had one young man come up to me and I said, what do you need God to do for you? He raised his hands and said, prophecy. I said, do what? He said, prophecy. I said, just stand right there. Prayed for a few more sick folks. Another young lady come up. I said, what you want God to do for you? Prophecy. I leaned over one of the brothers. I said, what's going on? He told me, he said, there's ministers now that people come up and request prophecy. He said, they'll prophesy to them out of their own heart and make them think God's talking to them. And I just stopped and explained to people. I said, this vessel don't prophesy unless the Word of the Lord speaks to me for you. You don't just come up to a minister and request somebody to prophesy to you. I say, because all you're going to get is a prophecy out of their own heart that's going to lead you astray and shipwreck you. But you've got that kind of mess going on everywhere now. People just want something to make their flesh feel good. People just want to go to church, have good worship, pastor preach a good word. Wheresoever the tree falls, there should it lie. What's that going to do for you? There's Scripture in the Bible that said, wheresoever the tree falls, that's what's going to lie. And people preach on it. 
Hadn't been too long till somebody preached on a grain of mustard seed. And they had a little mustard seed in a bottle. You couldn't hardly see it with your eyes. Okay, that's good. The Bible says that if you have faith as a grain, it didn't say the size, it said as. A grain of mustard seed. That's good. Preach that. But how about telling somebody how to get it? Instead of just preaching about it. And I've heard it preached many years. If you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. I was preaching in Covington, Tennessee back in, I think, 92. And I said, there ain't no, there's not a scripture in the Bible that says you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. Man stood up on front row and said, there is too. I've read it. I said, find it. I'll eat the page out of your Bible. Go ahead and find it. And I went on and preached. He sat there the whole hour and something. I was preaching, thumbing through that Bible, trying to find that Scripture. Couldn't find it. They ain't in there. It says, if you have faith, ask a grain of mustard seed. Because when a mustard seed's planted, you can't hardly see it with your eye. But when it is planted and it springs forth, it grows up a tree big enough that the birds of the air lodge in its branches. So the Lord's saying, your faith may be small when it's planted, but if you water it and cultivate it, if you get in a relationship with God in prayer, and that seed produces and brings forth, it's going to bring something to maturity. It's going to bring something to strength. And then if you have that faith that has been planted and watered in prayer and seeking God and it's come to maturity, then you can say to this mountain, be thou removed. You ain't going to say it when it's first planted. Y'all see how people's had stuff preached to them don't amount to anything? People just want to preach good messages. How many times can these messages be recycled and recycled and recycled and recycled? And You've been in church ever since you're, what, 14, 15 years old, more or less? Well, you was in church before you come to my tent. But when you come to my tent, God changed you. I'll tell you, I got so tickled at her, and I got tickled at her in a good way. But her and her sister come to my meeting with the church they were attending. I don't think your mama would come yet, had she? And God, I mean, the Holy Ghost fell on Changed her and her sister. Her sister done signed up to go in the army. But changed her and her sister. What were you, 14, 15, 94? And they went home and told her mama what happened to them. And they kept coming with the church. And then her mom and daddy come out there. And they got home after church that night. And her daddy said, y'all ain't going back. You ain't going back out there to that preacher. But the reason was that word convicted him. So they went to their mama and they said, Mama, look. said, God's done something for us. We've never disrespected you and Daddy. said, but we're going back to that tent. We're going back. We've got to have what God's doing there. When God gets a hold of you dumps something down in your soul and puts His Word and His Spirit in you and it begins to change your life. you got to have it. we got to have a move of God that's going to change us. Religion ain't going to help people. Religion is a, is a tool the devil will use. The devil will drive religion. But man, when it comes preaching truth and it starts cutting and it starts coming against doctrine and it starts coming against the garbage and the filth, that's when the devil's going to fight.
That's when he's going to fight. Amen. I could have filled this church up and run it over when I first started it. But the Lord told me. Because I come in here out of an evangelistic ministry. I could have come in here, ministered, prophesied, prayed for folks, announced revivals, had healings, had miracles. I could have packed this church out. The Lord said, don't you do it. He said, you build the people on the Word. He said, you build them, you'll build them slow, but you'll build them solid. You'll build them on the Word. And He said, they'll stand if they follow instruction. So we're in a place right now, everything's just a spiritual mess. And it's going to take God to straighten it out. Amen. I mean, it's going to take God to straighten it out. I traveled to another state back in the spring of the year and ministered in a home. And there was a young man there, what, 16, 17 years old. And somebody had told him he was called to be a prophet. And just lifted that young man's head up and messed him up. And it's one of them churches where everybody gets ministered to. And they got a call of God on their life. And they just lift these young people up. I thought, boy, do you know the Bible said that the prophet is the example of suffering? Do you know what's fixing to come down your pike if you really are called to be a prophet? But see, all it is to exalt people, lift them up. And this is what churches are doing to people now. They're ministered through soothsaying. They're ministered through witchcraft. They're ministered to junk. They're ministered through emotion. And people are taking words and running with them. Vessel minister to you, you better be sure they're proven of God. You better be sure they got a good track record. Go ahead, check my track record. How many of y'all been in this church and seen prophecies come to pass? Raise your hands. How many of you have had healings and deliverance through this word? How many of you seen this word stay on track? See, this word's proven. This word's proven. You can trust this word. I'm not going to come to you and give you a yea the Lord would say when the Lord didn't say. I'm not going to do that. I may make you mad. It may hurt your feelings. It may upset you. But I'm going to tell you the truth. I said, I'm going to tell you the truth. And I'm going to tell you the truth because I love you and I care about your soul. And I don't want to see you shipwrecked. But from Joel, the first chapter, and the first verse... The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pithuel. Hear this, ye old man, and give ear all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your day, or even in the days of your fathers? Tell ye your children of it. Let your children tell their children, and their children another generation. That which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten. That which the locust has left hath the canker worm eaten. And that which the cankerworm hath left hath the caterpillar eaten. Awake ye drunkards, and weep and howl, all ye drinkers of wine, because of the new wine, for it is come out, cut off from your mouth. Now, I want you to go to chapter 2 with me. And I don't know how much of this I'm going to get to exhort on, but I'm going to try and lay a foundation for what God's doing for us. And I'm going to uh, Joel 2 and 22. 
Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, and the fig tree and the vine do yield her strength. I'll tell you right now, the fig tree and the vine is a type of the ministry. So they do yield their strength. That means they produce everything they've got. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. Now I want you to pay attention to what I'm saying right here, what the Scripture says. For He hath given you the former rain moderately. Now, if you know anything about English grammar, half given is past tense. And y'all study English grammar in school? Whether you paid any attention to it or not, I never did. But I know half given is past tense. So he hath given you the former rain in moderation. And he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain. In the first month, and the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. Verse 25. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the cankerworm, the caterpillar, and the pommel worm, my great army, which I sent among you. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, that hath dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. Now, what I want to try to explain to you tonight, God has brought us together to seek Him for a restoring of what's been taken away from us. When you read these Scriptures and study them, and I can break them down for you, I may not get them broke down like I want to tonight, but when you look at that first chapter, He was talking about the canker worm and the caterpillar and the pommel worm, they'd already start eating up what God had given people. The Lord told me a couple of years ago, when I poured the Holy Ghost out on the day of Pentecost, He said immediately, doctrines of men, men preaching false doctrine and traditions, started coming in to fight the moving of the Spirit of God. And he said, down through the generations and down through the ages, he said, this is your canker worm. This is your caterpillar. This is your pommel worm. This is the locust that's come among you and eat up the knowledge, the wisdom, the working of the Spirit of God, and has brought the church to the place where it's totally powerless. Does that make sense? Don't y'all do me like people in India do me. I'll ask somebody in India something, they'll roll their head like this. I don't know if they're saying yes, no, I don't know, I don't care. I mean, bob your head yes or bob your head no. You ain't going to hurt my feelings. It does. And that's what's heated up. And then when you go over to chapter 2, and you begin to look at verse 23... He said, for I have given you the former rain. The former rain was the day of Pentecost. Will anybody agree with me on that? Good. He said, I've already given you the former rain in moderation. But I will cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter rain, in the first month. Okay? The first month is not the literal first month. It's a type of a new beginning. 
And he goes on and says a couple other things. And when you get to verse 25, he says, And I will restore to you the years that the cankerworm, the caterpillar, the palm worm, the locust, everything they've eaten up, I'm going to give it back to you. Now this scripture right here is not the restitution of all things that God speaks about in the book of Acts. It's not the restitution of all things that God tells us about in the book of Acts. This is just the restoring of the government and the power and the structure back to the church. Because the church can't go anywhere without it. It ain't going anywhere without it. So when you read them scriptures there and you go on to verse 228 and it says, And it shall come to pass afterwards, saith God, that I'll pour out my Spirit on all flesh, on your sons and your daughters. That is not the day of Pentecost, which is what y'all been taught. That is not talking about the day of Pentecost because he just said in verse 23, I've already given you the former rain moderately. So what is he talking about? He's talking the last day, the latter rain, fullness of God. Because when you break down what he said would happen when he poured his Spirit out upon all flesh, he said, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Did your sons and daughters prophesy on the day of Pentecost? No. Did they? Was there signs in the heavens above and wonders in the earth beneath shown? No. Did your young man dream dreams and your or see visions and your old man dream dreams? No. Because God didn't pour His Spirit out on all flesh. He poured His Spirit out on the 120 on the day of Pentecost. It didn't go throughout the earth. This is going throughout the earth. This is going to be poured out on all flesh. She said, Brother Matter, you're confusing me. Just hold on. Trying to learn you something. I'm trying to teach you something. You'll have to learn. But everything I've taught from the time I was little, Brother Andy, Joel 2.28 is the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, day of Pentecost. Uh-uh. Nope. 2.23 said it doesn't mean given. Did he not say he had given us the former rain moderately? He'd give it to us in moderation? But then there's coming a day that He's going to give us the rain, the former and the latter rain, in the first month. And when He does this, He's going to pour it out all over the earth. He's going to pour it out all over the earth. But until He does that, He's got to bring this restoring that He's talking about. This restoring that He's talking about has got to put back the government. Can, can anybody tell me what happened on the day of Pentecost? Well, yeah, they got the Holy Ghost and they talk in tongues. That's all we know. It's all we've been taught. Somebody tell me what happened on the day of Pentecost. He established the church. When he poured out the Holy Ghost in that 120 in that upper room, go to 1 Corinthians 12. I didn't plan on getting in this tonight, and then the Lord spoke to me when I was standing back there. He said, before I can pour the Holy Ghost out, He said, people got to get things in order. Church has got to, we're seeking for God to restore the Holy Ghost, but you got to believe He's going to restore it or you can't seek for it. If you think you already got 
everything you need, you ain't going to seek for it. Can I get an amen? If I can't get an amen, can I get an old me? 1 Corinthians 12. Let's just go to verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Verse 4. Now there are diversities of gifts... But the same Spirit. The word diversities means differences. Right? Do y'all know what diverse is? It's different. It means differences. And there are differences or diversities of administrations. Your administration, our administration in our country is president, vice president, speaker of the house, congress, senate, goes right on down. Okay? That's your administrations. That's your governing offices. So when God said there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. In other words, He's saying it's the Holy Ghost that does all this, that gives all this, that imparts all this, that teaches all this. And there are diversities of operations, but it's the same Spirit of God which worketh all in all, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with them. So what God done on the day of Pentecost when He poured His Spirit out on them 120, He put in gifts, He put in ministrations, He put in anointings, He taught them operations of the gifts, He taught them operations of the offices, He put in apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, put in all the working of the gifts of the Spirit, and got them ready for the church to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That 120 was not the lay body of the church. The lay body of the church did not come in until Peter preached uh, and 3,000 got saved and baptized. That made up your church. Uh, the, the 120 made up your government. Uh, it made up your government. Uh, it was not uh, that they just got the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Uh, they got gifts. They got administrations. They were put in offices. Uh, the church was put in order. Uh, it had power and authority and dominion uh, that came into it uh, when the Spirit of Christ ushered in. Now y'all tell me I ain't making sense. I can see Peter preaching and 3,000 getting saved. And he looks at John and said, guess what, man? 3,000 just got saved, repented, and got baptized. Now what do we do? The Bible says, and they went from house to house, breaking bread, fellowshipping. Great miracles and signs were done by the hands of the apostles, right? Got the word? Well, brother, matter what they go to house to house for and break bread. You ever try to find a church building to see 3,000? That's the reason they had to have churches in their homes till they could find a place for them to come together. Everybody didn't have the gift of miracles. It was the apostles. They were the leadership ministry. They are what begin to teach doctrine. They're what begin to set the things in order. The prophets are the eyes of the church. They see where the church is going. 
That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 20, we are built on the foundation of the apostle and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. If you go down to the 28th verse of uh, 1 Corinthians 12, just drop right down there to the 28th verse, and it says, And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after this miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. That's what God done when He poured the Holy Ghost out on the day of Pentecost. He said all them helps, governments. He said the diversity of tongues. He said the administrations. He gave the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers. Why did He give it? For the perfecting of the saints. That word perfecting means maturing and completeness in Christ. For the perfecting of the saints. For the work of the ministry. The ministry ain't working today. It ain't working today because you're functioning off pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And evangelists don't even know what they're called to do now. All they want to do is go from church to church to church to church and have revival. When they should get with a pastor of a church in a local area and say, Look, I'm called to be an evangelist. I'm going to go out here in the highways and hedges. I'm going to go out here and find souls that are lost. I'm going to go out here and fight for lost souls. And I'm going to need somewhere to send them. I'm going to need somewhere to get them shepherd. And I'd appreciate it if you'd work with me. But now, all the evangelists now is have revival, revival, revival from church to church to church to church. That ain't the calling of an evangelist. The calling of evangelists is Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the whole city turned out. There wasn't no church in Samaria. There wasn't a word of God in Samaria. The whole city turned out. He had great signs and wonders and miracles. Had great deliverance. And what happened? Here comes Simeon, full of witchcraft. Full of soothsaying to withstand him. And Philip withstood him and put him down. And when the word was noised abroad to Jerusalem, here come Peter and John to set things in order, establish a church, and pray for them to receive the Holy Ghost. Evangelists ain't supposed to pray for folks to receive the Holy Ghost. Evangelists could have prayed for somebody to receive the Holy Ghost. They wouldn't need Peter and John to come down. That's all, folks. See, we've got to get back in the structure of the Word. You ain't got no business. I don't care who you are. If you ain't commissioned by an apostle or apostle hadn't told you to or apostle hadn't come, you, you ain't got no business going out and starting a church. I think I heard a pin drop right back there on the carpet. Say, <laughs> so why are you preaching like this? We're out of order. We're out of order. And God can't do what He wants to do in the Holy Ghost till we get the right teaching and the right doctrine in us and start seeking for this thing to be restored. In Joel 2.23, the, the day of Pentecost had already happened. Actually, in Joel 1 and 4, the day of Pentecost had already happened because He said, canker worm, caterpillar, palmer worm, locust, they're already coming in. To eat up. He said, what? One left? He said, the, and, and he wasn't talking about they just cut. It was from generation to dispensation to dispensation to dispensation till it comes down to us. There's nothing in the church now. 
People started out good. People started out right. People started out with miracles. They don't have much anymore. You know why? God stopped it. Because everything's out of order. I still have some miracles from time to time. But it ain't like I did when I first come here when I was out in the evangelistic field. Why? We've entered into that age. God's put a stop to it. Because everything's in confusion. Everything's messed up. Preachers ain't living clean. They ain't living right. They ain't teaching people right. And God's not going to allow His gifts and His Word and His anointing to be misused. He's not going to allow it. You say, Brother Matter, there's still miracles. You better be careful. You may be entertaining the spirit of soothsaying and witchcraft. You'll hear what I'm saying to you? You better learn. You better know who labors among you. You better know the life of that minister and that ministry. You want to watch these t- the TV preachers? Go ahead. Every one of them are adulterers, fornicators, liars, thieves, drug addicts. Some of them are drunkards. But just about every one of them are womanizers and fornicators. And the women are worse than the men. I ain't going to listen to them. Because about everything that they preach for, they get through. Well, the Lord spoke to me about Psalm 77 and 1. If you'll send me $77, they come up with some kind of gimmick. And all they're going to do is live high off your money. They ain't going to be there to marry your children and bury your dead and counsel you in grief. I'll ask you to help me, but you know where your money's going when you help me. You know it's going in missions. You know it's going in equipment. You know it's going in the souls of men. You know where this labor's going. I'm going to help people get a relationship with God, get rooted, grounded, established, and settled in God so you can come forth in something. I'm not going to soft soap it. I'm not going to smooth it over. Never have, never will. If you get mad at me, pray through over it and pray for me. Do I do everything right? No. Do I try to do everything right in God's sight? Yeah. Do I make mistakes? Just like you. Just like you. I make mistakes. Because I'm growing. But I am coming into that apostleship ministry the Lord spoke to me about in 2015. Do I feel like I've arrived? Not completely. But am I growing into it? You better believe it. And that's why this word is as straight and strong. Let me tell you something. God spoke to me in April of 2015 about being an apostle. First part of May, we flew to Canada. I got up in Canada and started preaching. And God started working miracles. I was in a church, probably made a seated a few more than this. They had to move the meeting to a gymnasium. That meeting grew from about 40 or 50 to pushing 200. And I was laying the word down solid. And I was having miracles. God was moving in deliverance. And the last night I, I think it was the last night I preached, uh, my wife was standing in the by sitting in the back of the church. And the la- a lady come up to her and leaned over and whispered in the ear and said, Your husband an apostle. She just looked at her and I said, I don't know what you think. She says, the way that man's preaching, the thing, way he's setting things in order, the way God's using him with miracles and deliverance, said he's got to be an apostle. And the Lord don't spoke to me in April, and it's already beginning to manifest itself in May. Have I arrived? I don't think so. Am I getting there? Yeah. But you read your Bible, 
Romans, the first chapter, first verse, it said Paul called to be an apostle. Go to 1 Corinthians, first chapter, first verse, it says Paul called to be an apostle. You go to 2 Corinthians, first chapter, first verse, it says I, Paul, an apostle. So he arrived. You can arrive in your calling, but you've got to labor in it. You let God let. And these churches are here to teach you how to learn the working of the Spirit of God so you can grow in God, so you can come forth in what God's called you into. But there's so much confusion and mess out here in the religious world. I'm telling you, I don't want nothing to do with it. People ain't been taught how to pray right. They ain't been taught how to walk with God. They ain't learned the leadership of the Spirit. I remember years ago, I went to Texas and preached in a church out there, and I, I slept in the office. They had a couch in the office. I didn't want to stay in a motel. I hate motels. I hate spirit in them. And so I just slept. The office had a shower, had a nice couch in it. They made me a, gave me bed linen, so I just stayed there in the office. And I was in there in the office praying one day, and I heard somebody praying in the church. Buddy, they were putting it down. And I thought, well, that's good. Next day, about the same time, I was in the office praying. Heard this person come in, start praying again. I could have set a recorder down because they same prayed the same prayer, prayed with the same inflection in their voice, prayed with the same sounds, the same moans, the same groans, the So that went on about three or four days, and I was in the office praying. And that same individual come in, and man, they cut into praying, or what they thought was praying. See, they'd never been taught. And oh my God, they were screaming and hollering and carrying on. I run out there, I thought they'd fell and got hurt. I said, what are you doing, sister? I'm praying. I said, no, you ain't. You making racket. I say, because when somebody prays, you can feel the working of the Spirit of God. When you get in that kind of spirit, there is a spirit of travail. There is a spirit that gets on you that you feel like you're birthing a baby. And you will moan and groan. But you won't just make racket. And people ain't been taught. People just been turned loose. This church will teach you right. I won't embarrass you, but I'll teach you right. Brother Michael will teach you right. If you get out of order in the working of the Spirit of God, I will pull you aside privately, and I will counsel you how the Spirit of God should be working in here. There ain't nobody in here. I've never embarrassed you. Sister Patty, I've never embarrassed you. Christopher, I've never embarrassed you. Lisa, I've never embarrassed you in front of the congregation. None of you that God has used you in this church that I've ever embarrassed you openly even though you might have been a little bit off track, but I've always done it privately. Because I don't want to shame you, I don't want to hurt you, and I don't want to hurt what you're trying to do for God, but all of us need teaching. And you better thank God God's put this church here because the Lord Himself has whipped me and counseled me and come down on me hard and hurt me and made me feel bad. The Lord taught me a lot of things. I'd rather have somebody instruct me and I had God 
wear me out. Because I'm going to tell you something. The Lord ever really wear you out? He don't have to do it but once. You don't want it again. <laughs> you don't want it again. So we were at that place that God is wanting to restore these five ministries. He's wanting to restore the power and the government and the structure because church day don't have government. You go to Isaiah, and he said, and the government shall be on, on his shoulders. And then he goes on down and said to his government, there shall be no end. The book of Acts church was set up with government. It was set up with leadership, but it also had holy men and women of God that gave their self to prayer and fasting and seeking the face of God. So we've got to return back. And we've got to let the Spirit of God move in and set things back in God's divine order. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're praying for. I wanted to lay this out here tonight so you'll know. That's why we're gathering here in the mornings. That's why we come in here. It was about quarter to seven tonight. And I said, let's just go ahead and pray. I was ready to pray. I walked in that door back there, and, man, I felt the Holy Ghost hit me, and the fire of God turned over my stomach and jumped up my throat. I said, my God, did y'all feel that? I was ready to pray because I need what God's doing. You need what God's doing. The Lord showed me something in the Spirit today. I don't, I don't think I've already told you all this. Oh, did I mention what the Lord showed me in the Spirit today here? Okay. But I was praying this morning, and it was in this country. It wasn't overseas. Because I, I can go overseas what I got. I can have a move of God. I haven't been there too many times. I can preach and have miracles. If I stay in one spot seven, eight days, I'll be preaching 30,000, 40,000 people. I've done done it. But I was somewhere in this country. I think my wife was with me. And I went by a house that was out in the country. And it, it just, you know, like sitting in a big pasture. And I don't even, uh, it wasn't clear in the dream what I went there for. But I, it seemed like I went there to uh, check on a vehicle, see about picking up a vehicle. But I was standing in the living room. And I was looking out the window over that pasture. And I looked. Here come cars across that pasture. People driving. Car after car after car. And people running one after the other. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke in my spirit and said, They found out you're here and they've come to hear the Word. They've come to hear the Word. Man, that thrilled my heart. Because we fix and see this kind of move of God in this country. We face see this. We face see book of. I've been telling y'all we're gonna have book of Acts move in this country, and y'all think I'm real crazy. Sunday two weeks ago, after we got out of service in LJ, I went and looked at a building that they got a price tag on it, one point six million dollars. It's on thirty six acres. Tied a handkerchief around the gate. Had a lock gate on it. I tied a handkerchief around the gate and prayed. And I said, God, if it's your will, I said I'm gonna need a building like this, and I'm gonna need this acreage. Already got a house and everything built into the building. There ain't no telling. The, the potential for that building in them 36 acres is limitless. But see, I know God's going to give a move like the book of Acts. And I know we're fixing to add hundreds and thousands to the church. And we're going to have to have some place to put them. So I just went down there and looked at it. We, we saw it a year ago. And I've been praying about it. So several members from church, we just rode down there and looked at it. 
Then we went online and checked everything out in it. The Lord showed me a church in LJ that was almost 9,000 square feet. Well, let me tell you something. This is 48,000 square feet. I put four churches or five churches in there. You said, Brother Matty, you're crazy. No, I believe God. Because I just listened to a prophecy. God said He was going to give money for ministry equipment, vehicles, church buildings. And I believe God's going to do it. So if you think I'm crazy, just don't, don't bother me. I'm having a good time. Just, just let me enjoy it. But I appreciate the Lord tonight. And I felt like when I stand right back there, the Lord said, You gotta you gotta put this in order. They gotta know what I'm doing. So I'm telling you what the Spirit of God is doing. This restoring that He's gonna restore with the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm. This is putting back what first Corinthians twelve twenty eight said God said in the church in the beginning. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that miracles, gifts of healings, helps to governments and diversities of tongues. He's putting it back. He's restoring what he done on the day of Pentecost. It ain't going to look like Pentecost. But it's going to have the power and the authority and dominion. And there's men going to step out here. And some of you ladies are too. You're going to step out here in the power of the Spirit. And God's going to use you greatly. So get ready. If this is what you want, get ready. It's fast approaching us. I said it's fast approaching us. I hope you've understood this word tonight. I hope it's helped you to get a grasp of what God's doing. And I hope you can get in here in the morning and go to prayer with us. We had a good spirit of prayer this morning. It's the mornings that are preparing us for what God's doing in the evening. And I hadn't planned on exhorting like this. I didn't have any plans about exhorting except last night when I related that dream. I didn't plan on doing anything Monday night, anything tonight. I don't plan on doing anything tomorrow night. We left church last night. Brother Michael said, Pastor, you got any plans for tomorrow night? I said, not a one. And I didn't. But standing right back there, the Lord said, you set this thing in order. You let them know what I'm doing, that I'm bringing the restoring of the book of Acts move. This ain't the restoring of all things that God will do. This is just the restoring of the the book of Acts, Holy Ghost, structure, authority, government. Amen. Does that make it, Am I making any sense to anybody other than me? <laughs> I hope I am. So, I'm going to go ahead and receive an offer and ask you to help us. And then we're going to dismiss. And those of you that can come back tomorrow morning and pray, if you can't, get back tomorrow night. And we there may be a service spirit of God just falls and we just pray. I can't tell you somebody always going to exhort. I can't tell you God's always going to move like this. All I know is the Lord told me, said, set this in order tonight so people will know what I'm doing. This is what God's doing. This is where we are. And God's got to be set in order in your life. You've got to know what you believe. And you've got to labor for what you believe. Well, Brother Matter, I don't know what I believe. Well, go to my YouTube channel and listen to me enough and you'll find out what you believe. It's all right to have a little bit of fun. Please honor the Lord in your giving. 
We are, we've launched our live stream crusades into Kenya. I talked to a lady the other day. The word of the Lord come to me Sunday morning. I was in prayer, and I called a lady way up in the northeast. Uh, I texted her and told her I'd like to talk to her one day uh, in the week. And she texted me back and said, well, Brother Matter, uh, it'll probably be Monday or Tuesday. I said, that's fine. You just let me know when. And when I was talking to her, the Spirit of the Lord fell on me and I prophesied to her over the telephone. And she's got contacts in the Philippines. And I told her what we was doing. And I said, I'm going to talk to you at a later date about doing some live stream in the Philippines. Because I've been there and ministered. I went to the Philippines in 94. And they had a, like a, a big soccer field rented. And I went out there and preached. Had so many miracles the first night. The second night, the whole town's run off of generators. Well, it rained, Brother Andy. And the Catholic Church shut the generators down where I couldn't have service. I had so many miracles the night before. And we had we had to cancel the crusade. They wouldn't turn the generators on so we could have lights and sound. We had so many people come out to receive miracles and deliverance. Catholic Church shut the town down. But I'm going to tell you something. This gets moving. They ain't going to stop it. This gets rolling. I may rest my body, and I'll have to rest my body from time to time. But I will never quit preaching, praying, or speaking about this gospel of the kingdom till the Lord takes me home. That is my retirement plan. <laughs> that is my retirement plan. I got a, a niece. She gave me a little plaque made on a stone, and she said, she said, working for Jesus may not have a lot of benefits in this life. She said, but the retirement plan's out of this world. I said, yes, it is. So I'm going to ask you to obey the Lord. If you'll make out a check, you can make it out to just put Word of Faith, WF on it. Make it out to the church. And it is a tax-deductible donation. But that's not what we receive offerings for. We receive offerings to further the ministry. How many people in here feel like you're called of God? Some of you just don't know. <laughs> well, I'm not. I'm not being insulted, but I read a good one early this morning. Huh? No respect. That's all right. God give her to me to keep me praying. And it's worked for 37 years. Now somebody posted on my Facebook page this morning, said, if God has called you into ministry, then He factored in your stupidity <laughs> and the mistakes you would make. I said, boy, I'm glad God factored my stupidity and my ignorance in. If it hadn't, I'd have really messed up. I thought it was funny. So if y'all don't want to laugh with me, I'll laugh at myself. <laughs> How many of you appreciate the Word tonight? Appreciate what God's doing? Young ladies, good to see you. I know I haven't seen you since you was way little. 
But this move of God's for you. This is for your generation. If you can come, come on back. Because I don't know what God's going to do, but I feel like before we leave here, there's going to be a mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I do. I feel like we're pressing Him in the day, pressing Him at night, seeing what God will tell us. And I feel like there's a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And the Lord keeps telling us what I'm doing no generation's ever had. That's what's exciting about it. You said, Brother Matter, I got the Holy Ghost. You ain't got what I'm preaching. Because I ain't got what I'm preaching. Oh, I got the Holy Ghost. You ain't got this. You do not have this. We've got a measure, but we do not have this. The Lord said no generation had received this since the early church. He's going to give us what the early church had, and then we're going beyond it. We're going beyond it. Amen. Will you honor the Lord in your giving? Stand on your feet. Bring your offerings. You just drop them right here in the offering bucket. And do it as unto the Lord. And I know if you will, and do it in the right spirit and sincerity, the Lord will honor it. Thank you, Jesus. I'm enjoying this meeting. I hope you all are. I am really enjoying this. Because I'm going to tell you, God's being good to us by the way He's moving. But whether y'all can feel it or not, there was an opposing force stood up here in prayer. They tried to stop this prayer and tried to shut it down. I mean, you could feel that force. That's the reason it takes everybody battling and pulling together. It takes everybody laboring together. Amen. Has everybody obeyed the Lord? Okay. Well, I'll give you time to be obedient then. That's my daughter-in-law. I can mess with her. But just know one thing. Me and my wife love you. And we're fighting for you. We love you. We want to see you grow in God. We want to see you come forward. But you got to follow instruction. you got to follow the teaching. It don't matter if Jesus Himself stepped in here and ministered to you and told you what was planned for your life. If you don't follow the instruction, it ain't going to work. Amen. She needs prayer. Okay. Y'all stretch your hands this way. In Jesus' name. Stop that pain. Stop that pain, Lord. Give her peace. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Has everybody honored the Lord? Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for coming to pray. And thank you for being attentive to the Word. It'll make a difference in your life. This Word will make a difference in your life if you apply it. It will make a difference. I love you. I appreciate you. And appreciate you, Pastor. Y'all give him a good hand. Hallelujah. Just everybody stretch hands forth this way. Let's pray over this offer. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this offering, God, and for the people, God. God, we ask you, Lord, to bless it, God. We ask you, Lord, to uh, to give it back to the to people, God, a hundredfold, God, that's, that's helping out in the ministry, Lord, and helping 
hold the hands up of your ministers, Master. And God, I just thank you for it. I thank you for them. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Do you love the Lord? Do you appreciate the Lord? Give Him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Tell you what, this word's been good. Sister Lisa, now, I talk to Pastor a lot, and you know that. You bear witness, right? But I have been purposely not calling him on a reason, you know, because when we get to talking about things, it just gets to going, getting like. And I've been purposely over the last couple of weeks, you know, especially over this last month, not to call him and talk to him about and you you can attest to that I haven't I haven't not really called and talked to him that much. And uh, sometimes I feel bad. I said, Well I figure he may feel like I'm mad at him or he's hurt my feelings or something. But I, you know, we grown. We grown folks. If he hurts my feelings, well that's it. We pass that. But anyway, I said all that to say this the reason I did that is because I've been reaching out to the Lord, trying to prepare people to be ready for what God is doing. You can take my notebook, God is my witness. You can take my notebook right there. You can ask any of these people. I haven't said a word. I've preached basically the exact message for the last three weeks, trying to bring people in to like this and bring it up. And He just comes and takes it further. You know, He adds these tidbits, takes it. It further and further and further. This is what God is doing. This is what God is doing. And I love Him and I appreciate Him. And thank God that He brings out more and more and more and more and more. And I know, let me just give you an explanation because I know these people got questions not to add to or take away from what Pastor said. When he said, I know we've all laid hands on folks and the Holy Ghost has fell down. On people, we did it. I've done it, brother Andy. I, I, when we, me and my wife, we were did youth in the denominational churches. We'd line them up. We'd lay hands on the Holy Ghost would fall. Okay, and I know everybody in here has did it. And I begin to ask the Lord because I searched those scriptures out, and I can't find. Just Linda, you won't find nowhere's in the Bible that anybody but an apostle laid hands on the people and they received the Holy Ghost. When that happened, I felt a lot of people say, well, I've seen it. I've Let me tell you what happened. I'm going to give you an explanation. I'm going to learn you. There's a difference in laying hands on somebody and say receiving the Holy Ghost and Holy Ghost fall upon them and then have a day like the day of in Cornelius' house. This is what we've experienced. We've experienced Cordelius' house experience where the Holy Ghost fell upon folks and they began to speak in tongues and it was in order and magnified that because that's what God was doing. There's a difference. And people took credit for this. You know, to do this. You know, you feel the Holy Ghost, you do all this. But there's a difference. And, and, and somebody come. I did it and, I, and I've had God in my ignorance bless it because we do things for the right reason. You know, but he showed me. He said, "Let me just." He, he showed me. He schooled me. He said, "The only thing it was," he said, "was the Holy Ghost just fell, just like it did on the day of Pentecost. It really didn't have anything to do with you. You didn't have that power. It just did that. Now, you know, I'm all right with it. 
as long as the Holy Ghost has its way. But, I, I, I mean, that's just, it's all right, but let's get in order. And I, You know, I've did it. I, I, I've did it. I've laid hands on the sick. I mean, laid hands on people and said, receive the Holy Ghost. I've done it. But now, when the Lord started showing me that and, and teaching me that, I, I really reserved myself. From doing it. If you see me do it now, let me give you. May sit, now tomorrow night, God may tell me to do it now, but let me tell you something. The <laughs> Lord told me I was called to be an apostle. By the laying hands on the, of the Presbyterian, I was called to be an apostle and sent forth. So we, I get to do it. So I don't want you to think I'm out of order, you know, doing it. I mean, you know, or if I do it. But I'm only gonna I'm only gonna do that if the Lord really tells me to do it. And it ain't for me. I didn't ask for this. I didn't want this. Well I do. I want it, but I did you know, it's just not you know, a lot of things. This wasn't my idea to 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 always you know, since I come to God, I always wanted to be a pastor, but this necessarily what this wasn't my idea of what I had in mind. But I, you know, and it don't have anything to do with whatever. It just wouldn't have it in mind. But I love the Lord, and I appreciate everybody, and appreciate everybody for for, for coming. So I'm just gonna dismiss. Be here tomorrow, ten o'clock. Is that right? Ten o'clock. I've got my days all mixed up, and like I said, I apologize. I hadn't been being here. I've been sitting with my mom at night. I'll go tonight. Y'all keep me in prayer. Got to drive two hours, and I get up in the mornings. I drive back and do my best. So. I, I, I'm doing my best to obey God. I can't tell you that I'm 110% sometimes when I get in there because I am sleepy. I am tired. But, you know, I'm still going to carry. I'm going to lay before the Lord. We've all did it. Amen. I'm going to try to make myself. I push my body when I'm doing things in the world. I pushed it and pushed it and pushed it to do anything I wanted to do. And when I come to the Lord, I'm going to do the same thing. Amen. I, and I want it and I need it and I got to have it and He's willing to give it. The Bible says that it is His good pleasure to give His children the kingdom. It's His good pleasure to give it. It's His good pleasure to give it. He's not trying to withhold it from us. It's His good pleasure to give it. But it comes with a cost. It comes with a, of us. It's His to give, and he, you know, but it's for who that will. Who that will seek, knock, ask. Who that will do this. That's what it costs you. It don't cost you money or monetarily things. It costs dying to self. Amen. I know. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we love you and praise you and we magnify you. And God, I just ask you, Lord, to go before these people, Lord. Keep them, protect them, till we can meet again in Jesus' name. Amen.